With more than 60 episodes in the game, KP and PR are still dropping gems. Secrets continues to bring you the hot fire that you have grown to expect. Listeners describe Secrets as the ultimate receipt for motivating the underrepresented employee to be bold in achieving their career aspirations in corporate America. And season four will definitely not disappoint as they deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get your market value. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season four. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. Ricky, what's going on? My brother, what's on your mind today? Man, welcome to the latest episode of Secrets, everyone. KP, our inbox is overflowing with questions. Email is coming through, text messages coming through, LinkedIn, everything from our listeners. So I thought we'd pull out one of these good messages out Mm -hmm. of the queue and try to help our village out because that's just what we do. So KP, would you mind reading one of those emails that we recently uh, received and it kind of struck a chord with both of us. So let's maybe talk about that one. Yeah, let's do it. So here's the letter we got from the listener. Hey, Ricky and Keith, I'm a faithful listener and I appreciate all the gems you provide every week. I recently found out that my job is being eliminated. I have several weeks before I leave the company and I have a decent severance package. The news did catch me off guard because I've always been a great performer and have always helped so many people get ahead. I've kept my head down and not caused any trouble. So it's actually a bit hurtful and shocking that this has happened to me. I'm a little nervous about landing a new job because my network isn't as strong as it should be, even though I've heard y'all talk about the importance of having a strong network and personal board of directors. What advice do you have for someone in my situation? Is it too late to do anything with my current company? How should I approach looking for my next opportunity? Thanks for any advice that you have. Man, what a great question, KP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot in there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a brave question too, I mean, right? Because, I mean, we never really, you know, think that this can happen to us, right? And Mm -hmm. I think there's something that you go through and you start kind of personalizing this. Yes. You don't look at the financials or what's going on in the business, you kind of internalize this. But given the ebbs and flows, you know, of corporate America, we should all know how to navigate the waters and like the very likelihood that your job is eliminated, right? Mm-hmm. This is just some of the basics. They don't teach you this shit in school. No, not at all. <laughs> you know not what I'm all. saying? Like this That's is like- You're going to have a job forever and no trouble. Yeah, yeah. This is the hard knocks thing. Because let me tell you, brother, I was a little lost the first time this happened to me. So I say the first time because it happened multiple times, yeah, okay. right? You know, I was probably in my early 30s, newly married, just bought a home, like the pressure was on. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? At that you got point, bills man, now. Yeah, you got that bills point, man, that. you got people looking at you talking about what we doing, <laughs> you know, right. what we going to do, right? So I had a cool job. Life was going good. Then I lost my job, mm-hmm. right? I lost that job. Man, oh man, I was a little confused on what to do because just like the reader said, I went through some things. And I started mm-hmm. t- internalizing and saying, hey, what didn't I do? Yeah. Or, hey, it's my fault, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. My network wasn't very good, and I hadn't done a very good job building my internal brand, mm-hmm. you know, either. I didn't have, you know, much of a network or sponsors to tap into 
you know, to set up like the next gig, yeah. you know, either. It was really like me kind of starting from scratch. As much as we speak about having marketing collateral, I did not, <laughs> you know, have, have that together either. So okay. I was really like kind of starting from scratch, right? So essentially, I had to learn this the hard way. I was trying to keep things going, being cool at the crib and doing some creative financing, you know, borrowing yeah. from Peter and slapping Paul in the face. Yeah. You know, I was trying to do all of that stuff, that stuff, you know, just to trying to keep things moving, you know, there. But, you know, all the while, while I was trying to figure out like how to hustle my way back into a good career opportunity. Right. And although I could not control the actual position elimination part of things, right, that yeah. wasn't on yeah. me. I definitely could have influenced being better prepared to make my transition mm-hmm. a little bit smoother, right? So fast forward to the next time my role was eliminated, man, I had my game plan together, right? Yes. And everything yeah. surrounding it, like I wasn't going to have to like deal with that kind of yep. drama, yep. you know, yep. again. Absolutely. And I, I can only imagine how stressful this process was for you, how stressful it is for anybody that's that's going through this. But I, I know you. <laughs> Rick, Ricky was hustling. Trust me, he was hustling. Every sun up to sun down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get it right for that next move. So that it was in line with your aspirations. I know that well about you. And today we're going to have someone join us to uh, talk about his journey because we got a bona fide superstar like we always do a yep, secret. Yep. So Andre Lede is going to be joining us today to talk about his story. And just like your story, Ricky, he had to figure out how to leverage his network to get to this level in his career as well. And as we all do, we face those bumps in the road along the way. And how you get through those bumps in the road uh, really is going to you know, make the difference at the end of the day. But Andre, this brother's been stacking up his own receipts with respect to sales leadership roles. And he's uh, mentored countless people. And he's had lots of sponsorship that he's provided for others as well to help them move along their career path and it's helped them achieve their own career aspirations. So Secrets family, we're so excited to have Andre Lede joining us today. Andre, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hello from Austin, Ricky and Keith. What's going on? Uh, Long time listener, first time caller, as the people like to say, I'm excited to join you guys today. Well, hey, well, welcome, Andre, man. We're excited to have uh, this discussion with you. We were talking like offline before we were doing this, and again, we're going to have to start recording that stuff, Keith, because like, right. like that in itself could be a really good you know, episode. Mm-hmm. But part of this, you know, I'm just excited that we're having this discussion, even if the discussion that we're having, you know, for me was probably what, about 15 years too late, you know, for when my first role was eliminated. My hope is that we're able to help, you know, our brave listener, you know, who wrote in and seeking advice and others understand what needs to be done if and when this happens to you. Like Ray Charles used to say back in the day, let's make it do what it do, baby. So in today's episode, we'll talk to Andre about his path to the top, his sponsorship journey, and some of the challenges and triumphs that he faced along the way in terms of climbing to the top. We'll discuss what it's like to be the wizard behind the scenes Mm -hmm. for years and years and then finding yourself suddenly scrambling for your career life, right, at the end of the day. We'll provide receipts on how to survive when your job actually gets eliminated and the importance of networking. And we'll close out with secrets from Andre on how to put your best foot forward when you find yourselves in this predicament. This is about to be a good episode. And so Andre, my brother, before we kind of get into like some of the deep, deep questions, 
we'd like to spend a little bit of time bringing our listeners up to speed on who we're actually speaking to, mm-hmm. right? So if you don't mind, if you can, just bring us up to speed on like your upbringing, your educational background, and more importantly, like your corporate leadership journey. Well, I appreciate the question. And I'll start out by saying Andre Leday III, son of Joyce and Andrew Leday, husband of Brandy Leday, father to Lainey, Kira, Mia, and Trent Leday. As I grew up in Texas, I actually spent a lot of my summers in rural Texas. So shout out to Winnie Stoll, Texas, where I actually my sales origin story actually began. And uh, it all goes back to this peacock selling empire that I had where in my first two weeks, I made $103. And uh, at the age of eight, and the rest was history, graduated, balling at $800, graduated from Texas A&M, moved to Colorado Springs and married my wife, Brandy, of 21 years, and uh, earned my MBA in healthcare organizational management, started my med sales career with Novartis, actually, and then uh, Merck Vaccines, and then moved into management with a Japanese pharma company by the name of Daiichi Sankyo. In 2010, I met this amazing lady at the uh, Denver airport named Miriam Marker. And as I like to say, uh, the rest is history. I had a chance uh, 10 years later to join MedTech as an associate sales rep, which at the time meant a double demotion to take on this new role in the new industry and uh, prove myself all over again. And as I told the USVP of sales, I'm not afraid to crawl before I run. But at the end of that time, when I show you that my skills are transferable, I'd like your support to restore me back into people leadership. That's where the rest of my journey, my stretch assignment begins. And uh, fortunately, you know, 19 months later, four awards later, I was given that opportunity to move into uh, people leadership, relocated my family from Colorado back to Texas in the Austin area and uh, had great success. Had, had some uh, really strong teams, helped diversify a team who hadn't been diversified. And uh, within five years, we were number one in the nation. And and also amongst the most diverse. And so really, really proud of that in a very highly competitive space. It was great. It was nice to have that opportunity, but also to make sure people understood it wasn't just an opportunity for opportunity's sake. It was an investment and it paid off. With the background like yours that you described, obviously it took a lot of grit and determination and everything to get to where you are. We also know that there's a part of your story where you really had to dig deep when you were faced with Companies go through restructurings and things like that, and you know positions get eliminated. And I know we've talked about some of that journey for you. Can you spend some time just speaking to us and our listeners about what that scenario looked like for you and what you were up against and what you did to kind of get through it? Yeah, in 2018, I had recently taken on an area vice president role covering about uh, 20 states in the Western U.S. for one of our surgical businesses. And the business was performing well. But in February 2019, there was a a strategic decision that was made essentially to roll our business unit into a larger operating unit for the company. And uh, so operations in New Hampshire, a few of the more recent hires, everybody knows FIFO can kill you. Senior leadership, including myself, had our roles eliminated. And so this was a part of a larger right-sizing corporate initiative. Even less roles available to find elsewhere in the organization. I was told I needn't worry because I had experience in so many other businesses. And, and I trusted that vote of confidence and tried to use my energy, you know, more or less to assist other people, mentor them, people who are going through the same thing as me, having the same feelings, the real human feelings that we have during this time of you know, loss and uncertainty. And so 
as the days rolled on and after a few attempts that were unsuccessful, that doubt, you know, started to kick in a little bit. You know, my wife, God bless her, she uh, was trying to get my mind off. And so she said, hey, let's go ahead and move forward with, you know, going on this vacation to Disney, expensive vacation. Let me just put that in caption. We already had a plan. And, you know, and where I came from, you know, when somebody lost a job, it's time to batten down the hatches, start counting your pennies, tighten up a little bit. But we went ahead and took that trip. And I got to say, I'm forever thankful that we did that because uh, you can kind of lose yourself in these circumstances and moments. And, um, and I had interviewed elsewhere, you know, and had booked my flight to uh, go sign papers for a new role and had emailed goodbye to my colleagues. And 12 hours after I FedExed my laptop, I received a call to look at a National Robotic Therapies director role. Now, mind you, that's not necessarily a lateral move from an area vice president, but with all the buzz they had around surgical robotics, it was a strategic move, in my opinion. So, you know, don't forget, you know, sometimes you have to take one step back to launch yourself forward, as I like to tell people. And also this role allowed me to align my efforts actually to another brother who was a VP for the team. And that gave me a real sense of a purpose even if my role had oversight, but didn't have necessarily direct reports myself. And so, you know, Ricky and others, you know, my board of directors uh, certainly helped me to realize that I still had value uh, wherever my chips had landed. So it'll be okay. So with that, I took that role and, and stayed with my current employer. It's crazy as you start kind of thinking about this stuff, everything happens so fast, right? Like in one minute, you're talking about putting your fiscal year strategy together the next minute you're talking about trying to like work on your, your family fiscal strategy, right? right. <laughs> like, you're like, you know, hey, we got somebody in private school and we're going to be able to keep that going on. Hey, just got this car, that car payment, like some of those things. But I think what you say, you know, in terms of being able to not get lost, you know, in that scenario, right? Like I go back to the education that you have, right? Like all of those things, you know, are part of your foundation, and which makes you, you know, very, very marketable, right? That's your foundation. But then you look at the industry, you know, that you're in also. And we always kind of go back to these purple unicorns and how many executives and how many leaders are in certain places. We tend to forget how valuable, you know, we actually are. We didn't morph into obscurity just because a structural decision or a strategic decision was made. And, and it's really easy to forget those strengths that got us there you know, in the midst of, of struggle and trial, and also just to really, you know, not take it personal. And it's real hard to not take it personal when you've sacrificed personally uh, so much to deliver the performance, the impact, and made it personal every day at work for the, you know, patients in particular we serve, the communities we serve. And, and so when you have that level of uh, personal commitment, it's hard to not take it personal. But I try to tell people, it's not you, it's a strategic decision. So which is helpful. So look, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, your story and it takes me back, you know, to some of what I shared earlier when I was trying to figure out what was next for me. Right. And that was like, at that point, you've never been through this. So like, you're trying to figure out what steps, you know, you take. I definitely wasn't as intentional the first time, you know, when I started thinking about it. Now, the second time, I definitely have my act together personally, you know, and professionally, right? I was setting things up. I had that little savings, you know, and everything. With some of our guests, we spend a bit of time speaking to the intentionality, you know, needed in preparation for whatever, you know, may take place. Can you talk about 
your intentional acts with respect to some of the difficult moments you had that you faced and how you were able to overcome those? Like, was there a time or various moments when you felt like your faith, I know you were talking about, hey, you started waiting and all of a sudden things started getting low. You started to question some things, but was there a time when you felt like your faith was being challenged or that you may need to come up with a a different plan, plan B, C, or even D, you know, at that point? Anybody who knows me, is that I'm a planner. So I've always got a, a plan A and a plan B and a plan C, sometimes a D for situations. And as I tell people, I like to play chess, not checkers. But all that said, man, I can tell you that, you know, your village, your friends, your family, you know, they're probably the greatest source of remedy when you're in a despair like that. Now, I wasn't sleeping well. If I wasn't able to provide, you know, what then, you know, as my, you know, definition of self and, and not realizing that I meant a lot more to people beyond just the paycheck I brought home. And, you know, my first instinct, well, honestly, you know, was to maybe not tell people the truth because I was embarrassed. You know, I was angry. I was sad. I was a little depressed about the whole thing. And I had, you know, quite a few nights of prayer, uh, spending time with my neighborhood fellowship within my men's group and realized that a lot of people have gone through this, right? And that uh, I'm not the only one. And honestly, God wouldn't have brought me this far to just leave me on the wayside after all the lives that I've had the opportunity to touch through him and and others. So again, things happen. Decisions are made. Don't take it personal. It's not you. It's we're all, you know, as we work for corporate America, we are cogs in a machine, whether we're a big cog or a little cog, we are a cog. And so when you realize that you become a little more okay with understanding what's happened, happened, wasn't you that happened, it happened. And so, you know, you get a a better sense of, you know, just realizing that you can remove some of that anger, some of that sense of betrayal and uh, that one might feel in those instances. And so I made sure at that point I communicated regularly, not only with those being impacted, because it allowed me the opportunity to be that ear for them, to be that positive message, that upliftment that they needed for the day. And I told them, call me back as often as you need because there are a few people that are going to understand what you're going through right now. And so, you know, I had daily, you know, bi-weekly communications with several people going through the same, even though I was in the same predicament. And then I also made sure I kept in touch with, with my community, my stakeholders, my board of directors within my company. And the wonderful thing about that is I was able to not just share with them where I was in my mental space, which again, you want to be truthful, but you also want to stay positive. People want to be around positive people, right? And so in expressing to them a lack of bitterness and realization of the strategic decision, not the personal decision, it allowed them to help separate me from, okay, can we work with this guy? Is he salvageable from a leadership standpoint? And just helping them to show my leadership in the midst of what's going on. And so by leaning on them, also being humble enough to ask for support ask for help before that 12th hour. Far too often, we just wait and, you know, folks want to help, but they don't have enough, you know, you got to give people enough slack on the rope to grab it before you fall off the cliff, you know? And so just making sure that you're humble enough to share people, share your circumstance with people and the, uh, the humility of it all, it's okay. You're not losing face and pride can be the poison of so many great opportunities because you never know who you speak to may know who you need to know. So all those things, man, have, have, were invaluable to me, especially for someone who seeks to 
you know, maintain a, a certain level of leadership and opportunities. And so at the end of it all, I did have two other opportunities outside of uh, my current employer that were offered to me. But, you know, when you look at the political capital, the historic value, understanding how, you know, to make things work within the organization, all those things are so invaluable when someone is seeking macro leadership in a global corporation. So for me, I just said, hey, I think this is the best situation for me. You know, I, I appreciate this conversation takes vulnerability. Again, you talk about some of the best, you know, pieces that even though we're not even at that that secrets point, mm-hmm. right? I mean, where you're dropping these gems on folks because this is what you went through. This is what I went through. This is like, again, when you can kind of step outside of it being about me, you know, and you can now say, you know, there are a lot of people who don't recover from these these scenarios, right? They don't have the family structure. They don't have the board of directors or the village. They don't have the prayer group or the men's group. Like they don't have some of those things, right? So I think it's important as we start to talk about what you went through to kind of come out on the other side. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I just really appreciate you being able to, you know, to share that. You know, yeah. And I appreciate that as well, because I remember, I mean, Ricky and I lived this again, the company we were working for just decided to dissolve the division that we were leading. Right. It was just a strategic decision. But personally, I took that opportunity. We knew we had some runway because they're like, hey, you have a home, do these things for a little bit. But I took that opportunity then to just be intentional about putting a game plan, Mm -hmm. really kind of an exit strategy of either exiting or what was going to be next within the company. Right. But, you know, I ultimately decided to exit. But then I also took that time to kind of reevaluate. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I have the opportunity because of, you know, the blessings I've been given to uh, take a little time to figure out what it is that I want to do next. Right. So, you know, I took an expensive trip. I went to South Africa for three weeks and all that stuff and thinking about what's next. And I decided to pivot out and try something different. You know, I so I tried private equity after that. So, again, you just never know what's going to happen. But giving yourself a little one way, being intentional about it, all those things are really important. Tapping into your network, all those things that you just described. And, you know, Andre, Rick and I talk a lot about sponsorship and we always enjoy hearing each person's story that we have on on secrets about their sponsorship journey, because we know there's no such thing as pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and being able to do this shit all by yourself. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about your sponsorship journey, you know, a person or two who may have, you know, opened the door for you and given you an opportunity? First of all, I'm just going to start out and really make sure folks understand sponsorship is a verb not a noun. So it takes action. I was actually on a panel uh, for a national diverse conference recently, and there was an audience member who asked the question, is it appropriate or okay to ask for sponsorship versus wait for leaders, you know, to notice your work and organically sponsor you? And it was, you know, interesting to me that most of the leaders on the stage, Black and non-Black, male and female, you know, said your work will get you noticed. And at least myself and at least one other person disagreed. And I said, look, statistically and historically, Black men and women are not organically sponsored at the same rate as white men, and in many cases, white women. So, you know, I've always said a closed mouth don't get fed. Everybody, we've all heard that before. And so, you know, I told you I was a little bit country. So it's okay and appropriate, right, to, you know, after you spend some time with senior leaders or finished up a strong project or, or a business objective, that we ask for sponsorship to a desired goal. 
and leaders are generally, you know, willing to help others to reach their goals. But, you know, they're not mind readers. And so far too often, you know, people assume that, well, if you do good work, they're going to know you want to move ahead. There are a lot of people who do a great job who don't aspire to go outside of their current work stream. And so it's important that you raise a hand, let people know of your ambitions, and when appropriate, you know, ask for that sponsorship. And again, these people want to help you. And we're also helping them move past their own unconscious bias. You have to realize sometimes people may have this thought process, especially leaders historically who have had success over years, a certain type of way with a certain type of people. They may not know there's another path or even realize that they're doing that until you raise your hand and say, I want to be in that paradigm. I want to be a part of that shift. And some are willing to do that if they know. And so for myself, you know, after about five years or so in the med tech, you know, I was stuck. I was a, you know, in attendance at this uh, career empowerment program called efficacy training. It was great. And it was nice because it educated the individual on ways to carve out their own pathway for their career success and, and without being frustrated and waiting for somebody else to do something. And so now during that time, I, I met with this uh, individual said, hey, you need to, you know, you need to talk to this lady named Brooke, Brooke's story. And I think you guys have had Brooke on Brooke's the goat. Uh, Brooke's story is amazing. And so I um, had a chance to meet with Brooke at a, a national leadership meeting and uh, asked for, you know, five minutes to set aside, have some coffee, shared with her where I was in my career, shared a few receipts, and then asked for any support she could offer, any guidance as well. Man, the rest was history. Brooke went into gear. She pulled me into some very privileged pre-acquisition, high-profile, high-impact, you know, opportunities where I had a chance to showcase my contributions, my leadership, my strategy, and due to that, I got noticed now on a national level for some opportunities. And that just kind of accelerated everything I'm doing today. And now fast forward, I'm the U.S. Regional Vice President, PNL responsibility for, you know, $300 million, personnel development and critical partnerships now for, you know, again, $300 plus million and 130 or so direct and indirect reports. And again, that's uh, all from just raising a hand, taking the time and asking humbly for sponsorship. Man, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Brooke. We know she the goat, man. We there is none other, none like that. But again, I think you know, just going back to your story, just privileged, you know, that we we have the opportunity to be able to kind of speak to you to be able to, you know, realistically break this down for folks. You know, I think this is there's so much in here in terms of deconstructing like what you had to go through. But can you tell our listeners like what it was like? You know, because I know it had to be like this weight off your shoulders to some degree when you were finally able to leverage your network to land like another role that would ultimately lead to you getting like your first VP role. Like, you know, did you actually feel like you had arrived? Like, was it worth it? You know, at the end of the day, what were the perks you received by way of maybe board seats or community opportunities afforded to you as a result of? this work? I mean, because obviously you couldn't see it when it was first happening to you, but when you zoom out and now you look at it, you be like, damn, because I went through that, I now have all of this. So maybe if you could just take a moment and talk about that, you know, for us. Yeah. Listen, first of all, let me just say, I can certainly tell you that my network showed up for me when I landed my first VP role. You know, my network, you know, work included, you know, Ricky and Brooke and Namdi and Devin and Mike and Carlton and, and obviously, quite a few other folks as well. They actually shared my receipts so that I didn't have to. 
that's the beauty of, of that village and that community. When you allow yourself to be a part of it, there are those who are willing to speak up on your behalf when those doors are closed and those boardroom decisions are made. And so I'm very fortunate. Rick, I'll, I'll tell you to your face while you're sitting here, man. I, again, I don't know that I would have had the same outcome without you know, support from yourself and others. So I want to say thank you to in front of everybody. But, you know, there's always a fear that tuning your own horn can be seen as negative. So because I knew the community, had worked alongside the community, and the community knew me and felt comfortable speaking on my behalf, it helped me. And so, you know, Ricky helped me navigate several really sensitive conversations and uh, which, (laughs) you know, which ultimately, you know, provided me an opportunity to be the first, you know, black man to hold an RVP role and third to hold VP or higher in my operating business unit. And so I was told, you know, welcome to the club and the autonomy and, you know, the compensation impact and the, you know, macro responsibility. Oh, that's amazing. It's really fulfilling. But, you know, I got to tell you, I'd be lying if I said I felt at ease or comfortable because I'd just been through what I'd been through, right? We're all just one strategic decision away from a drastic change that we don't control. So I tell people to control the controllable. And so for me, that means, you know, I lead how I want to lead or how I want to be led. I embrace diversity and inclusion and engagement uh, without apology. And, uh, you know, I support personnel development, you know, for the advancement of some of the high potentials, even though it may cost me some challenges uh, on a regional level. But I can tell you through it all, I don't merely feel lucky about my job uh, and that I've made it, you know, but I will say I make sure that I show up every time when I'm in that leadership seat, I make sure that I contribute to innovation, I contribute to solutions, I contribute to strategy for the betterment of all within my reach, especially the organization that I serve. And so, you know, all that said, uh, that's led, you know, to me having opportunities to sit on now five boards in and outside of my current employer to serve even at my own alma mater at uh, Texas A&M on on one of the uh, School of Business boards there. And so, again, feel very fortunate to contribute. And then I'll say, lastly, one of the pinnacles was uh, the opportunity in 2019 to be named a Global Innovation Fellow and contribute to that work stream. And I had an opportunity to travel to Bengaluru, India for about three weeks and help operationalize this amazing uh, novel project called uh, Heart Rescue India, which was aimed at reducing cardiac uh, healthcare disparities in the poor parts of Southern India. So again, really, really fortunate and really trying to make the most the platform and leadership that's been uh, afforded to me. I mean, all of that work that you just talked about is amazing, just in terms of your community advocacy, the work you're doing on boards and things like that. And we know the last couple of years in particular have been hard on the brothers, you know, just with uh, George Floyd and COVID and racial tensions and just everything that's going on in the world right now. How have you managed to lead through these challenging times as a, as a Black leader, leading, you know, a $300 million business, doing these things out in the community, taking care of your family while dealing with all of the crap, the trauma, the stress, the microaggressions, all of that stuff that that goes on in daily life. How have you been able to manage through some of that? Well, Keith, first of all, the the biggest thing is we don't have a choice. We have to show up, right? We got to show up in those moments. It's not one where you can duck and hide and let it blow through and, and hope that it doesn't ruffle feathers for you personally. And and to be fair, you know, I see, you know, a few brothers and sisters that that don't appear that they want to appear that they need you know, the black affinity groups or reconciliation efforts to move ahead. And, and my talents are good enough, you know, quote unquote. And the reality is their talents are good enough. But to purposely avoid, you know, some of the affinity work streams and communities to prove themselves not a token, 
that's short-sighted in my opinion. And so affectionately call this group for the biblical reference for those, you know, that possibly the lost tribe, as we know from the Bible. And again, they wander corporate America alone, but they don't have to. And so, you know, this happens across all affinity groups. It's not just, you know, black people where this happens, but for myself, I don't worry about those who assume tokenism is a part of my advancement. That's not for me. To, that's for them to deal with. That's not for me to deal with. And so you know, I just go about doing the work and my results don't lie. You know, in 21 years in med, you know, tech and medical sales, I've never missed an annual quota. My teams have never missed an annual quota. My teams outperform their contemporaries regularly. And so we're leading in the efforts that we're called upon to do. And we're doing so with a you know, multi-directional effort in mind. We're looking at new ways to do things and bringing in innovation. We're bringing in diversity and inclusion. And the beauty of it is, you know, I can tell you most recently, you know, as soon as I took over my most recent vice president role, I've hired disabled veteran, I've hired a female, and I've hired Hispanic, I've hired a black manager, all into management roles, right? Four different roles. There wasn't a revolt. The world didn't stop turning. Nobody left. And so it's not difficult to bring in top talent. And again, talent is boundless. The opportunities are what are limited, right? It's upon each leader, including myself, to continue to search and find those individuals that may come from different walks of life that have the talent and that just need the opportunity to come in and, and make it happen. And so it's not like it was you know, some you know, big work of art. It just happened, right? And if it just happens, it becomes more normal. And now we have a more diverse collective uh, we're now achieving market share gains that in many years, you know, prior to uh, we hadn't had in this competitive space and everybody's winning. When you think about how hard it wasn't, <laughs> you know, to do yeah. the right thing, <laughs> you know, like we hear all of these things here, man. So, look, I am extremely appreciative of you sharing the story. Right. Because there's so much, you know, there. And I know sometimes people probably think we're just putting a lot on it. You know, Andre. Right. Well, this is that part where we kind of come back and we start talking about the receipts. Right. Like this is the we're not making this shit up part of the show. This is you're not crazy. <laughs> there's something out there. So today, as we start to think about the secrets, we're going to do two things. We're going to share receipts on having your job eliminated, what that means, right? And then we'll, uh, number two, we'll share receipts on the importance of building strong networks. So again, we're going to try to merge the two. So Keith, if you don't mind, start out with receipt number one. Yeah, receipt number one, according to research of over 2,600 senior leaders in a recent Harvard Business Review study, almost half, 45%, had suffered at least one major career blow up along their way, like getting fired, messing up a major deal or blowing an acquisition, right? So over half of senior people have had that happen to them. Despite that, 78% of these executives eventually made it to the CEO role. 18% of those executives in this data set were either fired or laid off. And most of them lost their job at a relatively senior point in their career. Only 17% were in their first decade in the workforce by the time they were let go, when they were let go. So really, this study really tracked these folks over 10 years just to see how their career progressed. They messed up, but they still made it. And that's the perseverance and resilience that we're talking about. And quite a bit of grace, that's you know, right. there too, yes. right? Yes. Quite a bit of grace, right? I love that that receipt because, again, it, it makes you zoom out mm-hmm. a little bit and say, all is not lost. The world is not going to end, yep. you know, here, right? Receipt number two, in that same survey, it showed that 68% of executives who have been let go 
landed in a new job within six months. Six months. An additional 24% had a new job by the end of one year. That's over 90%. I mean, so again, we're talking about being able to, to get your things set up for something to happen within a year. Okay, within a year. We're talking about finding, and, and again here, we're not even talking about just landing a job. We're talking about a good career opportunity, right? Yeah. So even better, 91% of executives who had been fired took a job of similar or even greater levels of seniority. Candidates were twice as likely to find a job through a professional network than via recruiters or personal networks, which was 59% versus 28%. And 94% of those who had landed a new job within six months had prior experience in that particular industry. Hence, one would be well advised to get experience across two to three industries early in one's career. The receipts don't lie. Yeah, that's <laughs> the right. receipts don't that's lie right. at the end of the that's day. That's right. Get that uh, experience expanded at, at the beginning, and then it's going to narrow as you start to move up the ladder, right? Receipt number three, we'll talk a little bit about networking, because networking is vital for those who want to move up the career ladder. According to HubSpot, 85% of jobs are filled through networking. In fact, according to CNBC, 70% of jobs are never published publicly. These jobs are either posted internally or created specifically for candidates that recruiters meet through networking. And according to LinkedIn, 70% of professionals hired had a connection at their company and 80% of professionals consider networking vital to their career success. Andre talked about this. Yeah. And we talked about it. At some point in the game, it's really not about what you know. That's it's right. about who you know. That's right. It sounds cliche. <laughs> yeah, but, but but it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You think about some of the opportunities you got is because somebody called us. We knew yep. them. Yep. And it was like, hey, I need some help here. Can you help me with X? Mm-hmm. That's generally what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the people who are working for you uh, behind the scenes. And the last receipt, number four, is according to LinkedIn, although 79% of professionals agree that networking is valuable for career progression, only 48% consistently keep in touch with their network. This is how you end up getting stuck right here. Yep. You know it's important, but then you don't do the work. I'm going to get to it. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And then when you finally get to it, now you're calling because you, you calling because you need something. Right. And we already know what that feels like when your family calling you, talking about, hey, I know I ain't talked to you in a, in a minute. In a but minute. I, let me holler at you. That's when you start getting the let me hold conversations, right. let me borrow, you know, this, that, the other. So, again, I think it's important when we talk about only 48% consistently keep in touch with their network. However, 35% of participants said a casual conversation through LinkedIn messaging led to a new opportunity. So, again, people are reaching out to you yes. on LinkedIn. And sometimes your head is down and you're not even replying to the message. That's right. All you got to do is just say hello, just respond. Say hello. You know, that's, that's all you got to do. So again, I think these receipts, you know, show that, you know, my situation, Andre's situation, even the situation that our secrets community of practice posed to us, mm-hmm. it's not about them individually, but there is some work, right. you know, to do there. So what we want to try to do I mean, again, we talk about the secrets. I mean, the the receipts all the time. We want to be able to transition into the secrets part of this, right? We want to be able to give people something to work with. So as a treat for our listeners today, we're going to ask Andre to help us provide our secrets for you, okay? Uh, We're going to leverage this relationship. So we'll let Andre answer the question by our listener via email to help them emerge from this job elimination scenario 
with the right state of mind. Because again, mm-hmm. we talked about that mm-hmm. process that we yep. had to go through. <laughs> then we will ask Andre to share a few additional secrets to help us all stay ready so we don't have to get ready in the event that we are faced with job elimination scenarios as well. So, Andre, you want to get started with this, uh, brother? Do you want to, you know, with this dilemma that our secrets listeners share with us that we started the episode with? What can our listeners do to just get their mind wrapped around this whole idea that their position is, is being eliminated and how do they shift their focus? Oh, listen, first of all, man, strong receipts as always, gentlemen. I will say... You know, some of the tips I would say is revisit your strengths sooner than later. Don't let that doubt, you know, creep in because it can win if you if you let it and start to lean on your your board and your village early. Like Ricky said, don't wait till the 11th hour or the 12th hour. It's really difficult for people to help you uh, with, with not enough time to do it. Get real social real quick. That's how I'd say it. Don't hide due to the embarrassment of thinking, wow, I wasn't good enough to hold a job and I don't want people to know it. So I'm just going to let them assume I'm still all right. It's okay to not be all right. But all that said, again, just you know, really make sure that you lean into the process of finding a new job and the elimination. Embrace what it is and wrestle it to the ground and move past it. What would you give advice in terms of leveraging your network? How do you actually do that? It doesn't have to be complicated, right? When when it comes to making sure you leverage your network. And as Ricky, you know, pointed out earlier, you know, sometimes people don't even respond or don't reach out until they have need. I mean, for me. I make it a point to just sometimes text people in my network, whether they be sponsors or mentors, just from time to time to let them know I'm thinking of them. If there was something for their business I found intriguing, I'd send it to them. If it's a birthday, I may just say happy birthday or a college football game that's on and I know it's their team playing somebody that I'm watching. So things like that, just keeping those tangible connections are important. They don't have to be necessarily you know, mind blowing. The other thing is asking as you're preparing for a layoff, asking, or even advancement for that matter, asking for an introductory conversation or an informational with someone along your career path that you think would be helpful and asking for a sponsor or connector or a mentor to connect you with that person with a soft handoff or warm handoff so that you can have that conversation, introduce yourself. And, you know, it was pointed out, a lot of these opportunities are awarded before we even know. This is how you get your name in that short list of names in somebody's mind before the job is even available. So those are things that you can do to help yourself with your network today. I mean, this is just like fire. I know people think we use this cliche, but this is fire right here, right? I mean, you've just been coming with so much heat that, in our opinion, will be able to assist our listeners with the dilemma that was mentioned and other ones that haven't even happened for them yet. <laughs> you know, like this is like just the greatest foundation we can start thinking through. I see a book about what you're talking about right now in the future. I see some coming, okay, some extra, you know, coming here because it's just too much, you know, not to like really be able to like communicate, you know, to folks here. So what additional secrets would you like to provide to our listeners about Staying ready so they don't have to get ready when faced with the job elimination. All right. Well, first of all, keep your CV up to date. Spend that critical time, whether it be on a weekend or a quick evening, as you're making changes in your job, as you're you know, achieving different milestones in your performance, keep that CV up to date so that when that perfect job comes along, whether out of necessity or opportunity, 
you're not losing momentum while you try to update a dated resume, right? That's the last thing. If somebody's ready to take it now, that's a buying signal. You say, well, let me get back to you in three days because I got to buff, buff off the dust off this, uh, this resume. That may lose some of the fire. So stay ready in that moment. Have your receipt here and your CV ready. Own your brand. Number two, LinkedIn is a very powerful professional branding tool. And it allows you the potential and the potential hiring manager to, to understand your value, right? So other people can see what is important to you, what you put out in the universe as far as your personal and professional vibe. Now, I'm going to tell you, I warn people all the time, it's not Facebook, right? So be very, very mindful of what you put out there for people to, to digest. But it's a great opportunity for people to just see your value proposition, your business acumen, you know, what type of leader you would be if thrust into a new situation. So again, use this tool, use it appropriately. And, and what a great way to network, right? A simple search query will allow you to have a connection of a connection to the CEOs of some of the most powerful organizations across the planet. And so again, own your brand. And then last but not least, just continue to be humble, stay hungry, be empathetic and courageous, right? You know, the talents that brought you there are not erased by a job elimination. So you're still more than enough to be great and you don't have to ask for permission to be great. He just showed out today. He did. He, he did. He, did. Uh-huh. he took us to church. He did. He did. I'm <laughs> feeling it. That's I'm right. feeling it. So these are amazing gems, Andre. We really appreciate you uh, being here because we know everyone will benefit from every one of those secrets that you just shared with us today. And we sincerely appreciate you being with us today. First of all, let me turn that around. So, you know, first of all, you know, Keith and, and Ricky, I want to thank you all for inviting me to your podcast today, allowing me to share and speak again. The work that you guys do in service to the community, you know, I want to say I appreciate it. I know so many others appreciate it as well. I mean, just your voices and again, your receipts. Gentlemen, just thank you so much. I'm truly honored to be here. And if you want to find more resources on the secrets that Andre talked about today, receipts that we shared with you, just go to our website at secrets.com. We got plenty for you there in the show notes and other things on the site for you to find. Yeah. And look, Andre, I would also like to thank you for being on the Secrets Podcast today. I mean, we really appreciate you being a loyal supporter of Secrets and everything that we do. Hey, look, I got that text message with you in that gear. Okay. Like, so I like Andre is not lying. He sports his secret sweatshirt. Okay. So we appreciate that. And for you attending, you know, our happy hours, man, we just appreciate the work that you put in to the community, the advice that you've given today, and also for you steering people, you know, to be able to be their greatest, you know, self, you know, here, our community of practice appreciates that. I also want to give just again, a sincere, I do this every time because I mean it. I want to be able to give a sincere shout out to all of our listeners and fans out there, because again, without your support, we would not be able to have what we have today. We would not be able to get some of these topics and talk about them. It wouldn't be, you know, so taboo, (laughs) you know, like without you all, we were normalizing, you know, the right things to do. So what I would ask for you all to do is just to go into Apple and write like a a review, buy some more of that merch. Don't let Andre be the only one out there with (laughs) with that merch, right? Because he going to get it all, you know? So, but make sure you do that. Post those pictures on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Just add us. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, Ricky and I are all about helping you get that coin, get that paper at the end of the day. We have fun on the podcast. We always have some great guests. But at the end of the day, this is about helping you create generational wealth. Yeah. At the end of the day. 
And that's what we're all about. So again, we've been able to help our clients and our friends negotiate over, you know, $1.2 million in compensation increases since we started Secrets. And the number keeps climbing. And we want, hell, we want to get that 10, 20 million if we can. We want everybody to get paid. So check out our coaching services, reach out to us. We are happy to help along the journey. Which we are televising the revolution. That's right. Okay. Like make sure everybody <laughs> understands that. So look, we want to thank. Our brother Andre Lede again for being vulnerable today and sharing his story with us on how to stay ready when corporate America deals you a jacked up hand, right? We're all about filling up these empty ass cups, yes. you know, too. So we're going to stop recording and get Andre to share some more of these stories with us behind the scenes, okay? <laughs> so until the next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. Take care, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. In fact, one listener said that Secrets continues to share the inside story on how to truly accomplish your corporate ambitions, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, donate via Patreon, and sign up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.c-crets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when they share, you transform. Until next time, cheers!